0: We're going to read from um, John chapter 11, verses 4 and 6. And it says, When he, Jesus, when he heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. We're going to be in Lazarus' story this morning. This will reveal the greatness of the Son by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he, may, he remained where he was for two more days. Let's pray. Whew, Father God, we've just been weaving this story, this tapestry of, of you as the comeback king, and it just, it floors me when I see you take our lives uh, in the, from, from various places, Lord, wherever we're at, and you just bring us, you wrap us into your arms and you say, I'm the restoring king. I'm the resurrected king. And you get to be resurrected with me. Oh, man, what a joy and what a journey. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. In your, your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. Oh, so I don't know if you can tell, but this comeback journey... Um, I've got there's some fire in it because you know I'm walking through it and um, but I want to talk about the greatest come of all uh, greatest um, comeback of all this morning <laughs> I can't say it but can you say that with me <laughs> the greatest comeback of all ready the greatest comeback of all so I'm going to ask you to lean in with me a little bit this morning okay so our title today is the ultimate comeback and we say that. The ultimate comeback, you know what I'm thinking about? You know what I'm thinking about when I first started thinking about the series? I think about every Rocky movie ever. That's what I think about, you know, how many are there like, you know, like 15 of them? I don't know. It's, and now it's morphed and now we're getting into Creed. Uh, it's in the theaters right now, Creed it's three. It's like the ultimate comeback story. But, and that's, that's what I wanna preach about this morning. No, no, not really. Um, but what I have is better than that. And it's this, it's a question. And then we'll dig around and we'll answer it. But, but there's a question here this morning. And the question is, can you move back from a diagnosis of death? Can you m- come back when the diagnosis and the word from the doctor and the report is death? Can you come back from that? And just like this whole series kind of leans into, some of you are reeling from something that has happened or maybe is happening in your life, a life circumstance that maybe feels like death. And, and for our text this morning, we're diving into a passage that you might be familiar with, but it's a perfect place to answer that question. And it's found in John chapter 11. I, and I want you to turn there with me or flip your, to your, on your smartphone because we're gonna dig around in this story. We're gonna be in that chapter all morning in the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. How many of you know the story already? If, yeah, that's awesome. So if not, I, I, I think you're gonna love it because when Jesus was on earth, when he was on earth, he was healing the sick and he was raising the dead and, and teaching amazing teachings. And he opened the way into the kingdom of God to people who didn't think they have a shot with God. And, and along the way, he was making friends. And uh, this story is a story about some of his friends. And so it, it opens in this way in verse 1, uh, John 11, it says, Lazarus, who lived in Bethany, this is the village where Mary and her sister, uh, sister Martha lived, was sick. Mary was the woman who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair, and her brother Lazarus was the one who was sick. And, you know, just in case you you didn't know, Lazarus didn't have this minimal ailment. Um, He had a major dilemma, and his sisters were very close to Jesus and and their brother Lazarus, and Lazarus was a very close friend of Jesus so sometimes I sort, of, I sort of think that, myself included, we have this drawn up in our minds, like this caricature of who Jesus is, but he actually you know, stayed in people's houses. He ate meals with them. He laughed and talked and he shared life with them. And these people were some of his friends. And, and so Lazarus' condition is so grave that his sisters are like, we gotta get the message to Jesus. And so now Jesus was, was outside of Jerusalem and outside of Bethany, out in the countryside, and he's under threat. And if he shows up in Jerusalem, people are gonna try to plot against his life. And so he's far away at this point. Um, they send a message and the message isn't Lazarus is sick. Um, they, they, they really get straight to the heart of it. It says, so the sisters sent a message to tell Jesus, Lord, your close friend is sick. Now that's... Now that's so what do you want to happen when a diagnosis of death comes your way? Have you, have you noticed how many people pray when a diagnosis of death comes? Like everybody, people in the church, people outside of the church, people who know God, people who don't know God, all of a sudden it's like, if you're there, Jesus, we need a miracle. And and that's why, that's, that's, this is what they're hoping for. And it wasn't just that they're lobbing up a prayer, um, they'd seen Jesus do the miraculous. They'd seen him, uh, you know, they'd been with Jesus and been with him when he'd done the miraculous and and they thought if we can only get the message to him the situation is going to be resolved but then notice what happens in verse four things change a little bit and our first major principle if you're taking notes this morning lifts up out of verse four and a few verses after the principle is this that our god is painting on a canvas bigger than we can see or imagine that's the first thing we want to understand before we drill down into the question, can you come back from a diagnosis? We want to take a step back and understand, you know, what is God doing in the world in the first place? And we get a few clues as we read in verse four. It says, when Jesus heard the message, he said, now this is not to his sisters, remember, because he's not there yet. This is to the followers who are hanging out with them, his disciples outside of the town. He says, you know, Lazarus's sickness will not result in death. That's what you want to hear, right? When you're faced with the diagnosis. He said, instead, this sickness will bring glory to God so that the son of God will receive glory through it. Interesting, right? A little bit of a a, a turn right there. Now in verse five, it says, Jesus loved Martha, her sister and Lazarus. So we feel like this is going to go well, right? We've got A, we've got a sickness that is not going to end in death. We've got B, um, God's going to get glorified. And then we've got C, you know, Jesus really loves these people. So you're thinking D, Jesus will book it up to Bethany and heal Lazarus, right? (laughs) But then it takes a strange turn again, and the the story goes off the rails a little bit in verse 6. It opens with this little word, yet. Yet. Can you say that with me this morning? yet. <laughs> I know that's not the that one that we're going to circle or underline or highlight typically in scripture, but I want you to circle or underline or highlight it, whatever you've got with you this morning in your scripture right now, because it's a very important little word. You're thinking A plus B plus C equals, I know what God's going to do now. But then this sentence opens with a yet. And when we hear the word yet, what do we know? We know it's not going to go down the way that we thought right? Yet. So here's the thing. Here's the message. Jesus loves Lazarus. He loves him. Jesus has the power to heal. We know that. But it says in verse six, yet when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. He stayed put. And that's the curveball in the story. That's the yet in the story. The sisters had hoped for a yes and they got a yet. Yet. They were hoping Jesus would come straight away and answer their prayer, but they got a yet. And Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. That's because God paints on a canvas that is bigger than we can see or imagine. You you, you say, what are you talking about? I, I I want to, if it's okay, keep taking a few steps back. And here's why. Our family, my family, has been on some very difficult medical journeys in our lifetime. We've been faced with ALS in our family. Um, my mom lost her battle to that disease a few years ago. We've been through, you know, some severe digestive and gut issues with two of our kids. Some of that stuff is still going on. I've, I've, I've got four kids, you know, with FAS, fetal alcohol syndrome, and, you know, all the things that are associated with that, that comes along with it, cognitive disabilities and attention deficit stuff. And dad has been diagnosed with Parkinson's and is a few weeks out now from a minor stroke. You know, and, and we've had some struggles with mental health in the family. I mean, I'm in and out of doctor's offices and medical facilities with my kids, myself, and dad. I mean, it, it seems like it, it's nonstop sometimes. And I've seen, I want you to hear this, I've seen God working miracles along the way. I don't want you to doubt that for one second. I've seen that. Don't get me wrong. My mom was healed of cancer at one point in her life. I mean, it was miraculous. The doctors saw it one day and then a few days you know down the, the road it wasn't there God God is a healing God I've seen I've seen God move and heal he does that but we've been through so much too and and so I mean journeying through my divorce wasn't a walk in the park and and when we step into one of these tunnels of life sometimes everything shrinks down to my circumstance right the circumstance that I'm in, my divorce, this disease, um, you know, or that moment. And what I always want to encourage you, this is what I want to encourage you to ask God for. God, give me the grace to lift my eyes up from this reality that I'm in to the reality that is so much bigger. I know that some of you are thinking that's, that's not even a pleasant thing, and, and I agree, it's, I'm, it's not going to get a lot of likes on social media, but there's a reality that's bigger than our reality. Hello? There's a reality that is bigger than our circumstance. I know I keep saying that, it's like every week, but there, it's there. There's a reality, and, and the reality is that God is painting on a canvas bigger than we can see or imagine, you say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that this story has some words in it that are written in my Bible in red, meaning Jesus spoke these words. And if Jesus is in the story, that means the Son of God was on planet Earth. And if the Son of God was on the planet Earth, that means that Jesus, who is God, must have left heaven and entered into human form. And that means uh, Jesus is in the story, the one who spoke creation into existence. <laughs> Is in this story, and you know when this message reached Jesus, he wasn 't just lounging by the pool and hanging out and getting a suntan. in fact, he was just we don 't think about this, but in this story, he was just steps away from giving his life away for us, and so when this message came to him, their reality are you, are you following me? their reality which was significant, is that our brother is near death. Jesus, are you getting the message? He really, he's really, really, really sick. You've gotta come now. This is our reality. But when their reality met Jesus, it met his reality. And his reality is I've gotta come down to earth from heaven to make a way for all people to be forgiven and to come into a relationship with their God on earth. And I'm gonna come down so that people might know the love and the grace and the mercy of God. That's my reality. And, and the way that that's gonna happen is they're gonna nail me to a cross. And I'm, and I'm gonna be... I'm gonna to suffocate to death for the sins of the world and I'll be dead and I'm buried and that's why I'm here. Um, I'm gonna rise up again and that's my reality. That's what I'm thinking about. That's why I'm here. That's what we're doing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we're about. Even right now, that's what's happening all around you. That's my reality. Um, now, your reality is important to me. I don't want you to, I don't want to gloss over that, but there's also a bigger reality that's going on. So God is always painting on a canvas that is bigger than we can see or imagine. And that's why sometimes a story doesn't play out the way that we think it should. Now, there are a couple of things that are important for us to grapple with in this little part. Just the side note, I mean, it's probably obvious. Jesus did not do what Mary and Martha asked him to do. Did you see that? He, did, he didn't do what they asked. So if you've ever been in a moment like that where you put out a prayer and Jesus didn't respond in the way that you thought he should, you're not the first person to ever experience that. He did not come to Lazarus that day and did not heal their brother on that day. He did not answer their request, but he did do something amazing and astounding. That's how the purpose of God weaves together as he's painting on a big canvas that's bigger than we can see or imagine. And and we can't fully see or understand. The second big theme, though, that I want to pull out that emerges once we sort of get in that, that place of that is that God wants to use our lives on a broken planet for his glory. This is a theme that keeps on coming back too in a comeback story, doesn't it? God wants to use our lives for his glory. Now, we can jump over a couple of the philosophical questions. You know, if God is good, why is there suffering? If God is so good, why is there sickness? If God is all powerful, then why do you know, people get sick and why do people die? And if God is so amazing, why is the world so broken, right? But we do know the answer to that. <clears throat> We do. If we look in scripture, the answer is you. The answer is us. It, we're the reason that the world is broken. I'm, I'm the reason why the world is broken. What I mean by that is we can blame it on Adam and Eve, but we've done a fairly good job of pushing that agenda forward on our own. Hello? We've done a fairly good job of continuing to make poor choices. Anybody? Right? We've We've done a pretty good job of continuing that legacy in our own way. We've done a pretty good job of walking away from God's clear instructions. We've done a pretty good job of thinking that God was hiding something from us. And so we're going to work it out on our own to get, you know, something that we think we want. We've done the job of pushing forward that willful rebellion of mankind on planet earth. And because of what Adam and Eve did and because of what we do, our earth is broken. And in a broken down world, things break down and there's a lot of disease and there's darkness and there's death in a broken world. That's what the enemy came to do, to still kill and destroy. But in our broken world, in which God is painting on a canvas that we can't see or imagine, there's an opportunity for our lives to be used for the glory of God. And this is a beautiful and amazing thing. And so here are two ways that this happens. One of the ways is that our God is right now in 2023, still able to heal people with any disease and any sickness, supernaturally and miraculously. Jesus still has the power to heal. Can I get an amen somewhere in the room? (laughs) It's a banner verse for Foursquare. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we see that this is the theme of the story of Lazarus. We see in the story of the resurrection power of God and the power of God, even over death itself. And that power is still in effect today. There's not anything in scripture that says that Jesus still can't do what he could do in that day. He can and will raise the dead. And that that he can cure any disease coming against us, that he can supernaturally restore, heal, and repair. He can do it and he does do it. It's part of the story of God, amen. So, thank you. There's a story, this is a story of God uh, doing some healing and there's a story, in fact, there's a story of God doing some restorative healing um, and, and uh, his resurrection power, his restoration work to pain that happened right here after the service last weekend. And um, I won't share names because I didn't get permission, but there was a gentleman who many of you would know. And he's, he's sitting in the back and he was grimacing in pain. His teeth were like, you know, uh, and, a, and a couple of us just laid hands on him. After the service, no big showy prayer or loud prayers. His wife just asked us to pray. Just a simple prayer, asking God to heal him. I walked off and I started having a conversation with some other guys back by, by the door. And you know what happened? Just a few minutes later, um, this gentleman comes over to me and he says, there is no more pain. And he said, when we were praying, he said, I felt some bones moving around. And so yes, even in Destiny Foursquare Church, that right here, right now, even in the past few months, yes, come on, some... We've had some amazing stories of healing in the lives of people, amazing stories of healing in people's lives. And my, my dad's not here this morning, so I can talk about him, but <laughs> he's probably watching online. But my dad continues to exceed the expectations of the medical teams that are serving him. And yeah, and so, so if you didn't know, if you didn't know, uh, he had a minor stroke several weeks ago. They let him out of rehab early because he was up and he was walking laps around the place way sooner than they expected. They let him go without a walker, even though that was part of the plan that they had planned to send it home because he said he doesn't need it. And so they told us to get a shower chair, so we, so we ordered one of them, but that thing is still in a box because the nurse said before we had a chance to use it that you don't need it. And so... Now the home therapists are are telling him one by one, I sat there in his living room as this was happening. They're like, I love you, Dennis. I wish we could stay longer, but you keep on passing all of our tests. So I'm gonna say that we've got one more week and then I'm gonna have to be done with you. And so in some cases, weeks earlier than expected. So let me just say it one more time. Jesus can and will and does heal. So today though, I wanna ask why does he do that why does he heal because we all want healing right when the, when we get a bad diagnosis we want a miracle but why do we want a miracle And if you dig down underneath the surface a lot of times I mean we, we all know it but our prayers are motivated because I don't want to die <laughs> I don't I don't want my parent to die I don't want my son to die I don't want my wife to die I don't want this circumstance feels like it's killing me I don't want to die We wanna somehow get out of this diagnosis of death and that's a good motivation, honestly, but there's another motivation to say, God, we do want you to do a miracle, but we want you to do a miracle so that Jesus will be glorified. That's the main reason that we're praying for a miracle is that so Jesus will be glorified in this situation. He said, the sickness is not gonna end in death. No, he said, the sickness is for what? Is for God's glory so that the son may be glorified through it. And we wrestle with that. We wrestle with that. So we ask the question Did God make Lazarus sick? Yeah. And I think that's not the best question. There's a better question over it. The reality is on a broken planet, there is sickness. Right? There's sickness. And none of us are immune to that. The question is, can God heal? And if so, why? And the answer comes in this phrase this sickness will bring glory to God so that the Son of God will receive glory through it. God does heal. But when God does, do you know why he heals? God heals so that Jesus can get the glory. And even on a broken planet, it's interesting to me how we can see God do miraculous work in our lives and then we take that miraculous work in our lives and fail to reflect the glory back to him. So you went to rehab and you straightened out your lifestyle and some counselors you know, helped you and that's powerful and that's amazing and that's a beautiful thing, but God delivered you out of it too. And into the backside of it, you're like, yeah, I got better instead of I got better and I have a story and I have a testimony and I have a, I have a stewardship of this story and I wanna tell the world about what Jesus has done in my life because I want Jesus to be glorified through that story. When God heals, the reason God heals is so that Jesus can receive the glory. And Jesus still heals today. Has anybody experienced healing in your family? Yeah, come on. Somebody, you know, they have literally received healing in their life. So Jesus heals. But then, okay, let's go to the other part of this that some of you are like, okay, keep on going, pastor. (laughs) And the other part of this is very real too. And it is this, that Jesus doesn't heal everybody on planet earth. He doesn't, and we could come in here and pump, pump up the faith and say, you know, if we just all believe enough, God's gonna do a miracle. And I know that there are people in this room going, I kinda wanna lean in with you and give you a hearty amen right there. <laughs> but that's not the reality. It's not my reality. It's, it's not Bishop Joseph's reality who walks in the gifting and, uh, that he's received of, of a healing ministry. And I just wanna say as clearly as I can it isn't, it isn't because those people that we prayed for didn't love God, it's not that they didn't love Jesus or they weren't loved by Jesus. It wasn't that they didn't pray or we didn't pray or we didn't fast enough or that they didn't, you know, stand on the word of God enough. It's not that they or you didn't have enough faith. It was just that they didn't get healed. And I think sometimes we are in the church, you know, like, well, there must have been a chink in the armor or, you know, um, somebody slipped up with unbelief or, you know, somebody got in there with a little bit of doubt. Do you really believe that our Father who loves us enough to give his son for us is on a faith patrol going, oh my goodness, your second cousin that showed up from Chicago, you know, he he had a little bit of doubt when they got in the prayer circle and that brought the whole thing down. That's not him at all, that's right. (laughs) That is, I mean, do we think that he's in there with the microscope going, oh, I found one little place where your faith wavered. That doesn't sound like a loving God. He, has anybody who's been in the tunnel of the valley of the shadow of death had their faith waver? <sighs> <sighs> yeah. If not, you're probably not human. <laughs> but, but then here's the possibility. Here's, here's what we can lean into. The spirit of God can pull you back into his hope and you can say, hey, in my own strength, I'm not sure how this is gonna turn out, but I believe in a God and I believe in the power of God and I believe that Jesus is greater than anything that can happen on this planet. So personally, I just don't believe that God is gonna sit in heaven and go, man, if you just prayed that prayer with a little bit more faith, if you just had done it just a little bit differently, I would have done a miracle. I don't believe that's the heart of God. And I don't think you do either. I've, and I've been there. And you've been there. When the family is just absolutely, literally sweated faith. And in the face of their faithful worship and prayer a loved one died and i've been there and i've 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 seen when after the diagnosis of death played out and death was already a factor in the equation people's faith still didn't waver and they kept on praying they kept on believing and kept on worshiping and kept on standing on the word of god and that person didn't come back to life and you've faced death too but here's the thing Just because that happened, that doesn't mean that we don't believe in God. We don't believe that he can't still do a miracle. Because we don't know what he's doing on a canvas that's far bigger than we can see or imagine. And I'm not trying to give a a little simple, please hear me. I'm not trying to give a simple cliche, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. Because, you know, sometimes when you're in one of those valleys, and I'm raising my hand up here because I've been there, well-meaning people will show up, and they'll, they'll put their arm around you, and, and you're up against a rock, and you're in a hard place, and they're like, well, the Lord's ways are higher than ours. And it's not very encouraging. And partly, it's not encouraging, not because it's not true, but because of the tone of it, right? And... It's because we're kind of pressing through thoughts. A lot of times our thoughts are like, well, you don't even understand what I'm going through. You've never faced anything like what I'm facing. You know, you've never had to square up with what I'm dealing with a lot right now. And just in a moment of, you know, blunt honesty, you know, I felt all of that in this painful season. Um, but I'm telling you that God's ways this morning are higher than ours. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and praise God that it is that way. (laughs) Because, you know, that God isn't small like us or see like us or understand like us and plan like us. Praise God that he sees bigger and he knows more and he does more. He's running the universe for crying out loud. And so he's running the universe towards the, you know, the conclusion of this great history. So that's what God is doing at this moment. You know, oh, we've got wars in Russia that have affected, you know, my family personally. We've, we've got an economic breakdown, we've got inflation. Oh, you know, woe is me, the new, you've watched the news. It's, you know, we've got an election year coming up that that's, feels like it's gonna divide the country and the church even more than it already is. And I'm telling you, God hasn't fretted one second over any of that. He hasn't. Now, we should keep an eye on reality You know, that's our reality, but in God's reality, all of that is just a blip on the radar. And he's like, I've seen world leaders come and go. I've seen empires come and go. I've seen nations come and go. I've seen cultural icons come and pass by. I've seen decades go by. I've seen millennia come and go. And in all of it, I'm running the universe the whole time and I'm above it all and I'm sovereign over all of it. I'm working in all of it, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it. And in all of that, I'm inviting you to know that your life can count for my glory. And I may heal you, And I can heal you. And when that happens, it's so that you can play a part in the bigger story. And so the glory of God can come to Jesus through your healing. And when you don't get healed, it's for the same reason. It's so that I can be glorified in and through your life and you can have a role in the big story of what I'm doing on planet earth. The third big thing that lifts up from this text is simply this, that the ultimate comeback is to be able to look at a diagnosis of death in the face and say that Jesus is the resurrection in the life. He is resurrecting me. That's it, that's it. So when Jesus does show up on the scene in verse 23, Martha came out to meet him and she says, you know what, Jesus, it's too late. And, And he says, just simply says, it comes right out, your brother is gonna come back to life. And, and Martha answered Jesus, I know that'll come back to life in the last day when everything will come back to life. You know, Now that is a lot more than a lot of people know right there. So we gotta give her credit for that response. A lot of people couldn't figure out that that's what Jesus was really all about. And that's what she was responding with. But then he told her, I am the one who brings people back to life. And I am, listen, life itself, those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. See, that's it right there, that's it. It's an incredibly great encouragement for us to know that God can heal and he does heal, but in that same economy, there's a yet in our story. And in our mind, Jesus got there late and someone did die. But Jesus says, I have a great encouragement for you. Anyone who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, he says? (laughs) It sounds like he's saying two different things, but he's saying the same thing. He's saying, if you believe in me, then your comeback your greatest comeback story is not to say they gave me a diagnosis and you know Jesus healed me. That can be a great story. And we celebrate that story in the power of God. But there's a whole nother story, which is they gave me a diagnosis and we walked by faith in Jesus. We kept putting our eyes on Jesus, believing in Jesus, lifting up Jesus and hoping in Jesus. And at the end of the day, there might've been death. And then on the last day, that person is not dead. And that's the greatest comeback of all. Do you see it? That's the greatest comeback of all. And here's the deal. You don't want your whole story to be, you know, I got healed when I was alive. You you want your whole story to be, I got raised up when I was dead. That's the greatest comeback. And I think sometimes we try to figure out how to cheat death and Jesus is saying, I'll help you beat death. (laughs) It's the greatest comeback of all. For those of you who believe in me, they will live even though they die. I love love how Paul gets excited about this in 1 Corinthians 15, towards the end of this beautiful long chapter that's all about resurrection. Coming down to verse 54, it says, and when that which is mortal puts on immortality and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory. (laughs) So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? It is sin that gives death and its sting and the law that, that gives sin its power, but we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Who can you just feel that? Death, where is your sting? It, <sighs> And then the last one of these themes that sort of lifts up out of all of this in the chapter, which I love, it's that This is it, this is what was happening in worship this morning, that no matter what the situation is in our lives, no matter the circumstance, the miracle of miracles is that Jesus is present with us. That's it. I mean, we, we could just sit on that every single weekend and that would be enough. Jesus is present with us. And that's so powerful. Jesus shows up in our journey. So eventually Jesus did go back to Bethany And he did go back to where Lazarus was, and Jesus himself did show up. And when he did, Martha and Mary were just shattered. They lost their brother, and he saw their tears. And then what did he do? He's crying with them. He felt it too. This is his best friend. He puts his arms around them, and they're just all weeping together. And that's a miracle of miracles to me that Jesus was in the midst of it all with them. He was with them in the moment, and that's the miracle for you and me. The miracle is that we have a chance to lead our lives for him and for his glory, sometimes in healing, sometimes not through healing, but both being for the glory of God. And that's where the power really is. When we see Lazarus in heaven, what do you think Lazarus is gonna be doing? I mean, he's, he's gonna be there, we're all gonna be there with him. And you know, what do you think he's gonna be doing? Is he, is he gonna you know kind of be parading around with, hello everybody, what's up, good to see you. John 11, yeah, that's me. You know, four days, that was me. Isn't this great, heaven's amazing. But, you know, I, I wanted to tell you that I'm gonna be do, doing a little thing around, you know, 345-year-old invited. I'm gonna be sharing about my resurrection experience and what it was like, you know, to be in the tomb and what it was like to be dead. And when Jesus called my name and I was still in those grave clothes when I was alive and I was still bound up. And I'm gonna talk about all that because I wanna celebrate the fact that I was raised from the dead when I was in Bethany. You know, how would you like to go to the work, that workshop? That would be pretty fun. But is Lazarus gonna be celebrating that he got raised from the dead or is he gonna be celebrating something else? Because one verse later... It reads, watch this, many Jews who had visited Mary and had seen what Jesus had done, believed in him. Because Lazarus is going to be in heaven going, part of my story happened so that you could get here. you know, how about that? (laughs) Is Jesus not amazing? You know, he, that's, I think that's going to be what he's going to be talking about. I had to be four days in the tomb. My sisters were crushed. Everybody was brokenhearted. It was a mess, man. That whole thing was a mess. I got sick and then I died, but you're here. Hello? You're here. And oh man, this is fantastic. Thank you, God. For weaving that into my story that we couldn't see. I couldn't imagine all that you're going to do. But now these people are here. He's going to be celebrating that he was raised from the dead. Yes, but I think he will celebrate that people have come to know Jesus even more. Nobody in heaven is going to be around walking and gloating and saying, I got healed, I got healed, I got healed. Because we all get healed. We're all gonna be going around, look at this. I got a perfect body. Oh, me too, you know. (laughs) You know, because absolutely in the twinkling of an eye, we're gonna be just like Jesus. This is incredible. We're all like him. But anyway, you you know, way back here on earth, you know, I got healed too. And we're like, awesome. And all the glory is going to Jesus. And that's what you celebrate in heaven as the tapestry is unveiled and we see how God uses people like you and me in circumstances like ours to bring many people into a saving relationship with God through Jesus and that heaven is full of songs of the worshipers of the nations because of our lives that have been broken. We don't like to hear, but but in the same sentence, they were broken, but we were used by God and used for his glory. And so when you get to heaven, you don't celebrate your healing. You celebrate Jesus who saved us from death itself. And when you get to heaven, I don't think you fret over the fact that you didn't get healed on earth. I mean, you're just sitting there. Everybody's partying and somebody walks up and says, what's going on, man? You know, that's the son of God over there. And you're like, you know, having a a pity party saying, yeah, well, I didn't get healed. I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. We're here. I mean, look at you. You're perfect. It doesn't make sense, does it? And I'm... There needs to be some levity in this conversation. I'm not trying to be lighthearted. But what I'm trying to say is that God is working on a greater story. And if for some reason, in your case, if it didn't go A plus B plus C, you know, equals D, and there is a big yet in their story, it could be because when you arrive in heaven and you do step into eternity because of the mercy of Jesus, that. Your first 50,000 years there are meeting the people whose lives were changed because of you being where you are at. I remember reading a story a few years ago, in the band, you guys can come on up. I remember reading a story a few years ago, the end of a book from one of the best known scientists of our generation. He's a renowned, Um, geneticist by the name of Francis Collins. And um, he was part of the program that unlocked and wrote out the very first time the human genome, (laughs) you know, so pretty smart guy. Um, He has unbelievable brilliance, a world-respected leader in his field, and for most of his life, there was some kind of faith element there, but some of the science led him to a different conclusion that maybe, you know, some traditional followers of Jesus, um, you know, wouldn't agree with. And so, Here is somebody that loves God, he he knows God, but some of his science kind of led him to some other conclusions. So how does it all fit together? He wrote this book and in the last chapter of his book, he says this, he says, I just wanna tell you where I am now with Jesus. He says, "I believe in Jesus, who gave His life on a cross for the sins of the world, was buried, uh, dead, but raised, uh, raised from the dead by the power of God to give forgiveness and life to all who ask Him." And I'm I'm like, "Hallelujah!" Like as I'm reading that, right? But how did that happen? I want to hear the rest of the story. So listen to this. He said, "It happened because I was in my residency." as a physician in the hospital in North Carolina, and I was attending to a woman in the last days of her life and she kept professing her faith in Jesus. And up to that moment in my life, I'd put all my hope in science, all my hope in man, and all my hope in what I could understand. I was agnostic or atheist, atheistic in my thinking, never had a need for God. But I had never watched someone die with the kind of power and the kind of life that this woman had died with. And watching her die with Jesus in her life peeled back the layers of my eyes. And I saw faith as I had never seen it before. And I said, I wanna know that Jesus who's in this woman's life. I wanna know that Jesus. That's the greatest victory of all. Can Jesus heal? Absolutely. We pray for healing over our house. Of course, of course we are. Do I believe that God can heal you? And should we pray for healing for each other? Of course we should. But we should also hold in our hearts that this hope, Jesus be glorified in our lives is not an opt out prayer. It's not a cop out prayer either. It's the will of God prayer. Because maybe all of this is happening so that God can be glorified through his son and through our lives. And when you've been there and some of you have been there and you're holding the hand of somebody that you love and they're breathing their last breath and you're praying, And the angels are close by and heaven and earth are just separated by this, what seems like this thinnest of lines and they die. And some of you know, in that moment, when you reach out and you just pull their eyelids down over their eyes and your heart is crushed, but your spirit says, you know, we just took the worst that this world can offer. You know, death has come, and it wasn't enough. But, but because Jesus is the God of the comeback, I've got a different outlook. And when that day comes and when death is done, Jesus is still alive. And we who believe in him are still alive in him, and to be absent from the body is to be present with him. Remember? And so we can say with Paul, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ our Lord.